spins a web any size. Catches seeds just like flies. Look out! Here comes the Spider-Man. Hello and welcome to Amazing Spider-Man Classics. This is episode 13 of the show. My name is John Wilson, and with me we have Donovan Grant. Hiya, hiya. And Mr. Bertoni. Oh, when he calls me Mr. Bertoni, I feel a hundred years old. And also want to just give a little shout out to uh, Mr. Brad Douglas because he said once that um, if we ever got Steve Ditko on the show before he did that he would have a problem. Well, now after having gotten an email from Stan Lee, we do have with us in the studio, Mr. Steve Lacey. (laughs) Hi. Of the World of Superman blog from the UK. Hello, Mr. Steven. Hello, Mr. John. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us this month. Thank you for having me. Stephen, uh, what, time is, what, what time is it where you live right now? It is exactly six minutes past three in the morning. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, that's, about, that's the time it's going to be in America when we finish recording this. <laughs> <laughs> I've been up for 20 hours and 36 minutes. Stephen was ever so gracious to uh, join us, even though we're doing a late night recording for us. It is early morning recording for him, and uh, this is going to be lots and lots of fun. So if he gets punchy by the third episode this month, you know why. So we're not going to waste any time. Uh, we do have some emails, uh, rather an email, and some iTunes reviews that we want to read. So first of all, Mr. Tyler Crone sent us an audio email. I should clarify that uh, he does apologize for the audio quality because uh, there's a problem with the mic and he had to amplify it digitally. So well, let, let's see how it goes. Hello, my name is Michelle Crown and I'm Tyler's Crown's sister. I'm begging you please to stop podcasting. Recently, while driving home, my brother was listening to your podcast, Amazing Spider-Man Classics, through his headphone because he didn't want me to hear your Betty Brant Doc Ock. Conversation. He was laughing so hard that I was afraid you would make him crash. Also, when he listened to you, wait, here it comes. Gotta go. Michelle, get away from my computer. Told you I was going to record a message for Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Okay, guys. Um, yeah, that was my little sister. Good job to her. Uh, basically, I was going to congratulate you guys on another great episode with Michael Bailey. Right. And John, will, John, you uh, threw in a comment about when you were talking about the Sinister Six about the Sinister Syndicate. And I don't know how many of you have been down to Universal, but recently my little sister and I came back from Universal uh, Studios in Orlando, Florida, and, where I rode the Spider-Man ride countless times. And that's what they used the Sinister Syndicate because they couldn't come up with six good villains. And it was based <laughs> on the 90s more than today. They, they use Scream instead of Venom. It was, it was traumatizing. Either way, wow. uh, the, but that was just all I had. Keep up the great work. And I did have one quick question, John. At the end of every episode, you say we're down 16 and we have 600 and some odd, however many it is for that episode to go. And my only problem with that is, are you going to cover Spectacular, Web of, and all those other series? Because if so, it's going to be way more than 600. Oh, God. Uh, enjoy podcasting. Stephen, you've you've ridden that ride, haven't you? And so have I. The one hey, that's it was a pretty awesome ride. Yeah. It it is, to be fair about cool. the '90s influences, it came out in the '90s. 
Yeah, you have like Hydra Man and that stuff, but it's cool because you have like like water spraying in your face when Hydra Man pops up and everything. It, it, I thought it was I thought it was pretty awesome, personally. I I love the line for the ride because you know most places when you wait online it's boring because obviously you're online. But they had set decorated stuff and there was a bunch of Easter eggs there. Like you walk through the offices of the Daily Bugle and yeah. you saw like names on desks and stuff and. Different rooms had different things, and like the intercom would say stuff like, "Whoever page Flash Thompson, he he's online too." What do you think about like an animated cartoon, like like of like Peter Parker doing something? There's, there's like televisions of like you, of like set, it, because the ride is like a story, and like there were like little cartoons setting up the story. So once you get to the ride, it's like the third act or whatever where, where Spidey fights the Sinister Syndicate. You're you're in a news van that like, and Jonas sends you out in this news van. Which is supposed to be like the next phase in reporting or something. Like I remember Jay Jonah Jameson like <laughs> briefs you in the video. I think for no reason. And they called the hobgoblin Edward Leeds. Nice. <laughs> Phil, what did you think about it, Stephen? I think I was about fifteen when I wrote it, uh, and it just completely blew my mind. The the way the three D integrated into the ride itself was just fantastic. Um, yeah, really liked it. That, that whole area at Universal Studios just really works as a Marvel thing. Very good way of doing it. Yeah, they have like they have like, like fake signs like Yancey Street and uh, like like Kirby Road or something something like that. It was really I thought I don't know my brother rode the Hulk ride. I hate roller coasters, but he rode and said it was cool and it was a nice little like a oh. uh, little nice little nice little area. The Hulk coaster was intense. I nearly passed out on it. The ride photo is not one I show to people. You you, you almost pulled it. You almost pulled the Tim Drake then. Did they Tim did Drake have uh, problems with roller coasters? He fell asleep on a roller coaster, and his girlfriend got mad at him. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I was trying. To, yeah, I'm, I'm really awesome. It was it, it was within the last two years because it was like Zo- that was when Zoanne was his girlfriend. Right, right. But to answer Tyler's question, yes, we are going to cover all the other books. Uh, I was counting down just amazing Spider-Man issues. So. Well, uh, you know, it's just kind of a little thing that I'm going to do each month. And, of course, as we go along, the number of Amazing Spider-Man issues is growing as well. So we're not catching up very quickly at all. In fact, the difference between last month's and this month's count is going to be a grand total of one. So if we catch up by one issue every month, it's going to take us 620 months to get caught up. And, you know, that's just going to take too long. So, But it's still, if you know... Catch up, if we ever catch yep. up... It would have been that would be like the Guinness Book of World Records or something. We're gonna we're gonna pass this podcast off to our children. <laughs> well, you, you, it's gonna be a legacy. A, you're being given the helping hand, John, because uh, well, Spider-Man's dropping down to two issues a month soon. Oh yeah, yeah that's that's the rumor. Hope, uh, we, is that been announced or is that still a rumor? By the time this episode comes out, uh, San Diego Comic Con will probably be over and done with, and we'll know then. And I'll be going to San Diego Comic-Con, so if you people are listening while we're recording and not after this episode comes out, come say hi to me. Okay, so we're going to do some iTunes reviews. We have had so many people saying wonderful things about us on iTunes that we just thought we would um, share some of the love here. Back in May, from Groovy16, the comic book podcast I was looking for. I'm a big fan of Spider-Man, and I love reliving my favorite comics. The hosts are funny, insightful, and enjoyable to listen to. I highly recommend it. Two of the hosts also do an Ultimate Spider-Man podcast as well. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. And uh, when she wrote that, or he, it was just after the Zach Henderson episodes where we had had him on, and he and I do Teenage Wasteland and Ultimate Spider-Man podcast. So that's what she's referring to there. Um, also from God of Thunder and War, which... 
God of Thunder, when I first read your little moniker there, my brain translated as God of the Underwear. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, it does read like that. I think God of Thunder and War sounds much better, but my brain just, you know, confused me. Made of Uberness. This podcast is great and the people who do it are great. This podcast How did you discover our secret ingredient? <laughs> I had to go to Kroger like once a week and buy Uberness. This, <laughs> this podcast has made me want to go back and read all the old back issues and really take a look at Spider Man's character. This podcast also has it where it really matters. You can tell the people who do it truly love this character, and it comes out quite frequently, so that is a bonus. Yes. Sure, sure we do. <laughs> <laughs> we may really get a kick out of poking holes in these comics, but it is because we love them and we love the character, and we wouldn't be doing this otherwise. We wouldn't be staying up till like 3 in the morning <laughs> if we hated Spider-Man. Or it's 9 the next morning. <laughs> Hopefully not that long. But anyways, Deadpool writes, full of win. Very funny and charismatic hosts. Besides their humor, these guys really know their stuff and offer up great insight and factoids about Spidey. The review of issues are very mysterious. Mysterious. Are very mystery science theater. I can't talk. Mystery science theater 3000-ish. At times. times. Great job. Yes. (laughs) Sorry, evidently my mouth is not working today. That's what she said. So, what do we we have on the next three? Wow. Well, Well, you know... Barring that sexual window window, uh, Tyrabs gives us five stars saying, love it. I got to read these comics when my grandma and grandpa would give them to me as a kid. I really love the way these guys talk about the same comics I read a thousand times over and still manage to bring something new to the table, but be funny about it as well. Can't wait for the next one. Keep up the great work. Thanks, man. We're making the next one just for you right now. Oh, yeah. And we're also making it for Ditko66. He gave us five stars and said he he loves it, too. So so back-to-back five-star loves it. Yay. As a diehard Spider-Man fan for over 25 years, this podcast was made for me. I listened to Tom vs. The Flash and always felt Spider-Man was a prime candidate for the same treatment. Keep up the great work, guys, and look forward to your next show. Thanks, man. Or girl. Do any of y'all listen to Tom vs. The Flash? No, I've listened to an episode or two of it. I listen to way too many podcasts as it is, and since I don't read a lot of Flash Silver Age comics, that's the only one that I occasionally check into. But that guy's great. He's like, <laughs> we got to have him on here sometime. If he's a spider fan, I'd love to. So, Tom, out there in listener land, if you're listening to this show, write us an email. We'd love to have you on. It's four episodes from now, we'll have him on. <laughs> the final one is um, by SMPER, Simper for Fast Readers. Another five stars, this guy says, just amazing. I have loved Spider-Man for years and just love this podcast. Just discovered a couple of days ago and quickly loaded it all into my iPod. Listening to a couple of di- couple a day, can't wait to get caught up. Keep them coming. Thanks, everybody. The best part about getting caught up is you always have one to listen to. The worst part of getting caught up is that then you're caught up and have to wait. I know. It's a vicious cycle. Well, thank you, everyone out there uh, for giving us the love on iTunes. Um, it helps us gain some – I don't know. Does iTunes, Do iTunes reviews like improve your standing yes, in the iTunes? Okay. That's what I thought it was. So thank you very much for doing that. We do have another email from Richard Foster that Josh is going to read. Hey guys, long-time listener, first-time writer. Well, actually, the long-time listener part's not so true. I stumbled across your podcast searching for Spidey stuff on iTunes last week, and I've done the audio equivalent of mainlining your episodes. I just caught up to the latest one and finished it today. Great stuff. I can't wait for the next episode. Well, wait no longer. We're recording it right now. I really enjoy your passion and enthusiasm and the humor you guys put into this and how professional your podcast is. Did he listen to the Star Wars pants? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Even though I consider myself more knowledgeable than the average Marvelite, you guys continue to bring up good points and educate me with your OCD-like knowledge of the Marvel history. Like Michael Bailey's point about why Marvel renamed mags and preserved the numbering in order to avoid new postal fees. I bow to your superior geek foo, sir. So even Speaking when he's of, not here, Bailey Bailey gets bigged up. <laughs> oh, just wait until uh, you can you can edit this out if we don't if we're not announcing this yet. But just wait until <laughs> comes on. Yeah, hopefully oh he's coming on and in, uh, in, but we'll see how that works. Speaking of Mr. Bailey, I think you should try to keep him on as a regular because Michael oh Bailey Michael Bailey doesn't need to sleep at all. <laughs> he really the last he, re- he really adds to the discussion. Dot dot dot. When he's awake. <laughs> just giving you a hard time i will say that your show has a little bit of mst3k sense of humor which i love and michael bailey's voice reminded me a lot of former misty host joel robinson i was wondering if they had the same reason for sounding sleepy but apparently michael's coming by and honestly since you guys were podcasting in the middle of the night like tonight i did the sound effects and <laughs> running gags like hypno coin and and Josh's hilarious dramatic interpretation of girls' voices like Betty, Aunt May, and Liz, Alan, and yes, he capitalizes Alan and spells it the right way. That a boy. Uh, Yay! Rock. Which, I'm by I'm the way, you love the Betty and Liz voices. You're gonna you're gonna love when we cover issue seventeen. Oh my yes. <laughs> the more you know intro from episode eleven about what to do if you suspect a fictional woman in the Marvel universe is being abused was pretty flat out funny too. <laughs> <laughs> Just to give you my background quickly, I'm a 39, and I'm a journalist, PR guy, and author. My first published article way back in 91 or 92 was an interview I did with Stan Lee. And it was, well, amazing to hear that famous voice on the other end of my phone line. I've been a Spidey fan as far back as I can remember. My dad was a police detective in the early 70s, and I can remember him bringing home issues of Batman and Spider-Man that he read while on stakeouts. That's Mm. awesome. Yeah, Like, Spider-Man during stakeouts. The earliest issues I remember reading were from 75, the original Clone Saga, the comics with Scorpion and Tarantula. I love that story. I've kept up with comics more or less since the 70s. I had the Mego action figures and watched a live-action Spidey show in the 70s, and I also had those little paperback reprint books of the Lee Dicko issues. Yay! Those are mine! Yep. (laughs) I remember breathlessly following the black suit in the 80s, and I entered and won a Spidey contest in the early 90s and snagged the first Masterworks volume. And the Sega Genesis Spider-Man game, which I still remember being pretty cool. I haven't really been connecting with Brand New Day, but it beats the other, I guess. It doesn't take a lot to beat the other. (laughs) Aunt May and Iron Man armor. That's all I have to say. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to reading that. But I will, eventually. No, that that, that actually made me quit reading Spider-Man, believe it or not, for like a few months. I, I believe it because it sucked. Yeah. My favorite recent Spidey stuff has to be the Marvel Knights issues with Eddie Brock auctioning off the symbiotes. Your Speaking of getting... that, that's kind of topic for this month because we're going to have the introduction of Mac Gargan in a couple of episodes. Oh, yeah. well, no, even actually there's another connection, too, because Mac Gargan kills a lead Ditko character in that. Uh, no, not Mac. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, it, it was okay. it was um, it was. Yeah, it was... between Gargan and Brock in that storyline, another guy like. A mob guy, right? Yeah, and and he kills a Lee Dicko supporting character who's actually named in issue seventeen. Hmm. Sucker. Here's some more. Here's some more OCD for you. (laughs) But wait, there's more to this email. Your podcast has given me the impetus to reread my copies of the Lee Dicko issues plus Untold Tales, and I've been having a blast seeing some stuff I missed. So thanks for that. Now I just wish I had the scan so I could see the stuff like the live monkey ads. 
Enough said, true believers. Make mine Amazing Spider-Man classics. Richard Foster. Never Richard, email I, us again. You you vindictive. Nah, nah, that was great. Yeah, that was awesome email. Uh, Richard, just uh, for anyone else who wants to know, on the Libsyn page, amazingspiderman.libsyn.com, I do occasionally put images, and the live monkey ad is on there somewhere. So you might have to scroll past some uh, X-Men blog entries to get to it, or just click on the left where it says choose a category, ASM Classics, but you'll, you'll see it in there somewhere. And we're going to have some live monkeys this, this uh, month, too, which is very exciting. <laughs> so, next on the agenda, turning back to our guest co-host, are you still awake there, Stephen? Um, the answer is no. <laughs> Go ahead and just take a few minutes. Uh, tell us about the, uh, I know we've mentioned it a, a few episodes ago whenever you wrote the email, but go ahead and tell us about your blog and what prompted you to start it. Okay, um, so my blog at uh, com, um, kind of a similar thing to the uh, From Crisis to Crisis project uh looking at the same era of comics but taking a, a, a different viewpoint on that and that is to try and tell a coherent story of superman's life rather than going what was released in this month and then the next month and the next month so for instance i did the man of steel back in april first issue of that and i'm still yet to complete that miniseries having done about 20 comics since then so it's very much about the chronological ordering of it um superman's always been like my favorite character it was i got into comics through the life and death of superman novel by roger stern with that wonderful cover with the bleeding s shield and i've always stuck with him through the good times and the chuck austin <laughs> oh you see what i did there as for spider-man i got in there through i think it was the uh, mid-90s tv series which was shown in the uk and for those of you that don't know, it's a lot harder to find comics in the UK. If you're not in one of the big major cities, you can kind of forget it. And I didn't live in a big major city, so I had no access to the monthly stuff. But the cartoons were great, and it felt like such a rich universe. And the villains felt so... They felt like uh, the best of Batman's villains, which is that they feel iconic, and they, they don't feel like they're unoriginal or not unique. And that stuck with me, and I've picked up Spider-Man several times. Unfortunately, we've just mentioned it. One of the times that I attempted to get into Spider-Man Monthly was when the other started, because I thought, ooh, a crossover with Peter David involved. That can't be absolutely awful, can it? Um, and at the end of it, I boxed mine away, and I don't think I've touched them since. But I have, and I will be reading from this, I have the 500 issues of Amazing Spider-Man, not on DVD, but on 11 CDs from when that was first released. And that's where I read my Amazing Spider-Man from, monkey ads and all. <laughs> all right. And we all love the monkey ads, right? So today we're going to be starting into another of the few continued stories that Ditko had. Unlike issues 11 and 12 that were related, but each was self-contained, these first three issues we're covering this month definitely have the feel of a trilogy. And to me, it's probably on par with the Master Planner story for key Spider-Man stories of Ditko's run. I don't know if y'all esteem it as highly as I do, but I, I love this uh, three-parter that we're starting into tonight. Amazing Spider-Man 17 was released on July 9th, 1964, with a cover date of October. And we're going to be kicking off with a Josh Bertoni recap. Oh my, yes. On the cover, we see Spider-Man trying to web the Green Goblin. But gosh darn it, the Human Torch just wants all of those webs, so he gets between the two of them. It's like the Human Torch, you know, just doesn't want Spidey and the Goblin to be together. I said the Green Goblin because, as this cover says, the return of the Green Goblin. And what a return it is. With another blurb, guest starring the Human Torch. Wait a second, he's a guest star? I thought that he was like a regular supporting character in this series. 
And under Spider-Man, we have Jonah covering himself, Betty looking on in shock, and for some reason, the rest of the high school kids look like they're singing in a choir. Well, when you say <laughs> Jonah covering himself, like Jonah's like running, he's not, if it, for the people listening who doesn't have the image, he's not covering himself like he's naked, he's, he's, he's running away. <laughs> and he's not jumping his hands over. <laughs> no, but, but, but look at those high school kids, it looks like they're singing. Yes, it's chorus line. They, they look yeah. very happy. For having three superheroes duking it out, they they look quite happy. It's all We're in no part. danger at all. <laughs> no, of course not. It's a Spider-Man fan club. Spoiler alert. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> as the issue and yeah, let's re- let's read the blurb. Stan and Steve do it again. Be sure to read this yarn carefully, for it's certain to be discussed and argued about by Spidey fans throughout the free world for a long time to come. And we will have a second. About it. Yeah, are you trying to say that a comic published in the 60s is going to be spoken about for a long time? Like on a podcast, you know, like decades later? I don't know anybody who would do that. Yeah, that's like eerily prophetic. Well, Peter is looking very distracted in class. Everyone thinks he's reading a James Bond book, but I find that very doubtful because the pages of his book are empty. No text. (laughs) (laughs) And he's using his fingers. Maybe it's Braille. Oh, yeah, he's... uh, Well, he met Daredevil last issue, so... That encouraged well, him. We also we also met like the mysterious blind man slash Matt Murdock. So seeing that blind man, maybe want to take a braille. Hey, oh, man, I'm going to go get to the braille library and pick up some books. James Bond in braille. <laughs> <laughs> well, what he's, he's actually do, wondering whatever happened to the Green Goblin since their Hollywood binger a few months ago. Flash can't stand the attention being somewhere else, so he teases everyone by saying that he has a big announcement after class. What could it be? Ruggedly written by Stan Lee. Robustly drawn by Steve Deco and recently lettered by S. Rosen. Recently. <laughs> Spoiler like- alert. The S stands for Sam. I like the Silver Age credits. I readily agree. The Green Goblin is also thinking about Spider-Man as he battles a life-size Spider-Man dummy. I wonder how he explained that one to Harry when he like brought that into the house. <laughs> this is this is just for, for, uh, for playtime. What? Dad? <laughs> You love that Spider-Man dummy more than me. <laughs> of course I, I... I mean, I don't, son. Of course not. But Harry, it's so Why flexible. Think- How could I not love it? Gwen, oh. I don't know what's going on. Dad bought a life-size Spider-Man dummy, and he's in the basement a lot. hear a lot oh, of hey. noise from down there. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of crashing and... He's, he's, he's proud of seeing for when he, when he moves up to, you know, college-age girls. Maybe there's a real person in the suit. Who knows? Oh, well, this just got sadistic. Well, he 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 thinks that battling a Spider-Man dummy will be the equivalent of training you for a real Spider-Man, except a dummy doesn't move or fight back. So it's just, you know, glorified target practice. So, yeah, you know, good job there, Goblin. The Goblin I love, changed I love, into... I love his, um, his weapons with, like... like... A pumpkin bomb, the little ghost, the, fro- the sonic frog and everything. Like, like Yeah, is that a sonic person. toad? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the, yeah, in fact, yep. Because uh, Green Goblin the 3 Goblin... gets a, a bad rap for using a Sonic Toad the one time in all of Spider-Man history. But I want to say that's a Sonic Toad right there. Well, the Green Goblin changes into his shadowy civilian identity as he brags about how he's updated his weapons, which, as Don said, we got the Sonic Toad. Um, he's changed his glider, so now, now it's the more traditional one that you guys are all used to and not the broomstick and pumpkin bombs, because this is actually a first. This is the first pumpkin bomb appearance. Okay. He will now defeat Spider-Man for sure. So Flash announces after class Spider-Man fan club. Peter was like, "Oh guys, hush! No, no, let's not talk about it. Peter's coming. Nobody tell Peter." 
So Peter's like, hey, guys, what's up? Liz is like, hey, Peter, want to join this fan club that Flash started? (laughs) For some reason, nobody went and, like, killed Liz right then and there. Flash and Peter (laughs) argue again, and Peter walks off, as usual, and Liz gives Flash the business once Peter leaves, to which Flash responds. He doesn't even like Spider-Man, to which I kind of agree with. I know that we're supposed to eat but if you're starting the Spider-Man club, someone who's gone on record as not liking Spider-Man, you're not going to invite them to join the fan club. And Liz is acting like joining the fan club is the most important thing ever. And I've never even seen a real fan club be more than just like a card you get in the mail. She's she's acting like like a wife wanting her husband to get a promotion. (laughs) He just got to be in. He's just got to. Why? Oh my uh, god, no. She's like like downright scheming. Like, no, Liz is actual thought balloon. And I'm going to find some way to get Peter Parker into that club. She has her hands on her chin and her <laughs> eyebrows raised. Like, no, this is a scheme. It's like it's like Mr. B- Mr. Burns. Excellent. <laughs> no, if this was done like now in Ultimate, like it would be like a Facebook fan group, and like I'll find some way to get Peter to hit the like button on Flash's fan page. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Spider-Man makes an oopsie when he interrupts the filming of a movie. Uh, there's some people running into a helicopter in costumes, and he stops them. And everyone's like, no, Spider-Man, you idiot. You've ruined the movie. But a few problems I have with it are it's just guys in a costume running into a helicopter. And he's like, oh, well, they must be up to no good. They have uh, bags. Okay. They had bags. So? Maybe they have dollar I, signs on them. They have masks, too. and they, they, The dude has, like, a cape on one panel. Maybe it's the new super team. Maybe this was like a failed issue of Marvel where he was, they were going to start in misunderstanding. Like, it's the Detroit Adventures. <laughs> and also, to be fair, how was he supposed to know that this was a movie? Because they were filming it in the middle of the street, not on a closed set. Right. There was like a, it, an issue of um, Young Justice where Impulse kind of does the same thing. Like there was a woman, you know, tied to a train tracks. Train tracks. Yeah, you remember that? Like the Nuff said, kind, yeah. like, kind of ripoff issue. I know that was a yeah. movie as well. Yeah, I was wondering about this. Is this the first movie set in Marvel that isn't a plan by a villain to trick uh, his arch nemesis? <laughs> that we know of. We're not, we're not 100% sure. It, yeah, it, it seems to be an actual movie. That's not Doctor Doom in the background going, at last I will get him, or name or financing it, or anything like that. Maybe it's more of The Fantastic like Four were supposed to show up instead. You're in the wrong plot, Spider-Man. <laughs> Maybe Norman Osborn is in the blue hat shouting cut. <laughs> well, yeah, the guy, in the, the guy in the blue hat saying, cut, stop the cameras, the whole scene is ruined, on account of that not Spider-Man. And then you have the key grip or somebody saying, he probably didn't know that was just a scene from the movie. And how was he supposed to know? Seriously. No, you're right. Well, word gets out and the whole town begins bad-mouthing Spidey. Well, he doesn't really like that, but he probably doesn't want to read issue 18 then. <laughs> it's not going to get <laughs> <laughs> Peter goes to the bugle to walk Betty home, and Jonah is gloating about the faux pas. So, and now I'm going to read to you uh, the walk home, just because of the insane, the insane amounts of like awesomeness in it. <laughs> you know, Peter, I just wish Mr. Jameson didn't hate Spider-Man so. Really, what difference does it make to you, Betty? <gasps> Gosh, I hope she's not beginning to suspect who Spidey really is. Because of course, yeah. if Betty, you know, like that comment right there is enough to make Peter suspect that Betty knows who he is. <laughs> this guy's so paranoid. <laughs> Have you forgotten, Peter? Spider-Man saved my life three times in the past. Okay, for the record, uh, these three times, we have Spider-Man Annual 1 and Issue 11. 
And Would you consider the vulture attacking the bugle to be the like one of those I times? Say, yeah. I think issue twelve is the third one. No, he never saved her in issue twelve. What's she I mean, he, he he did, but like she she thinks it was Peter. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think I think the vulture one would be a third then. Yeah, I guess it, I mean, it, ha- it had to be the vulture one. I would think it would be twelve, and I bet you they were thinking of twelve. But you're right, Spider Man was unmasked as Peter Parker there, and they all think that that wasn't Spider Man. So I hope you're not trying to imply that Stanley would forget anything because that's 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 the last thing he would, he would do. Uh, wait till we get to the Avengers issue. <laughs> and, again, and again, Betty's talking about Spider Man here, and she's like, "Gosh, I wish Jameson wasn't so hard on him." So this whole retcon about how Betty hated Spider Man till the day she died, and that's how true. like. Yeah, Ned Leeds even says in issue 289 that Betty would wake up screaming, having nightmares about Spider-Man. So, yeah, not so much. Yeah, wake up screaming in the middle of the night. Oh, my. Woo. So that's all she meant. What a relief. And now, oh, no, up ahead, just my luck. Betty, I just remembered something I forgot. Tell Mr. Jameson, let's go back a minute. Peter, what on earth? Oh, is someone calling you? Petey! (laughs) (laughs) It's Sally Avril. Yes! Come here, that square have to pop up wherever we go. Gosh, I'm sorry, Betty. I know how you feel about Liz. I hoped we can get away before she saw us. Oh, stop the act, PD. You're not impressing anyone bit. Liz walked over hands through the newspaper. Here, PD, I want you to read this. Oh, when she calls me Miss Brandt, I feel a hundred years old. <laughs> and Betty's face, like in that scene, like she's like looking up in disgust. And she oh, I never. <laughs> Hold on a sec. Oh, by the way, she's, she calls me Miss Brand. She just called you fat. She's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, get your priorities right. And, okay, that's she did it in front of Peter. That's not even like you know one of those you know hidden insults or something. Like no, she said right in front of Peter, your girlfriend's fat and old. And and, and, yeah. and be with me. <laughs> if whenever Liz and Betty first met and she adjusted Peter's tie and Brit, Betty got upset, if Liz didn't realize what she was doing there, she definitely realizes what she's doing here and definitely pulling out the claws just from uh, Betty Brandt. Yeah. Okay. As Peter looks at a page of the Daily Bugle, which, oddly enough, this ad is really, really eye-popping concerning the fact that it's actually printed in, you know bold, actual, complete letters while the rest of the paper is written in hieroglyphics <laughs> for whatever reason. Gosh, you actually put an ad in the paper announcing your flank on meeting, but what's this? You're having your dinner at a real dinner club and Spider-Man will be there? My father is letting us use the Avenue Dinner Club. He <laughs> owns it and he paid for the ad in the paper too. He's always been a Spider-Man fan. That blonde boy stealer wants the world to know how rich she is. Exactly. She's, oh, she's like yeah. puffing her hair, too. Yeah. And I'm trying, like, to, I'm trying to remember, after this issue, does the fact that Liz's father is rich ever come up again? I don't think so. It's, it's no, like, not only like, that, but when she comes back in the Conway run... She's, she's like, she's like she, making ends meet and stuff. She, she's, she's impoverished. Okay, so you know what? You know what happened during during the latter half of the stand run is like she goes off and she spends all her father's money, like runs up all his credit cards until he finally just cuts her off. So from then on, she has to like make eat, ends meet and scrimp and save, and then her father dies of a heart attack and they never get reconciled. So that's what and happens to Liz. All, all her friends like Bet- Betty, you know, 
Betty from Archie, you know, oh, you're not rich anymore, so we can't hang out with you. She has to hang out with Veronica. <laughs> yeah. And that was Veronica. Oh, oh that, that joke failed because it's Veronica. Oh. Rich. <laughs> I always had the fan th- two fan theories about this, which shows, like, how much I stay at night thinking about these things. Hey. <laughs> okay. A, something happened to Liz around, like, graduation. Like, remember how she was all depressed? And I think it had to do with the whole Molten Man thing, since it was retconned that that was their stepbrother. So she went to support him and take care of him when the family cut him off. And when she did that, her family cut her off as well for siding with the criminal. Or the other explanation, which is more hilarious, is because of the fiasco of the Spider-Man fan club, it basically, like, gave the dinner club a bad name. And the business (laughs) went down in flames. I like your first idea because Mark Raxon has a different last name, therefore they would have different fathers, but the same mother if, if he's a stepbrother uh, or, you know, married into the same mother. So I'm going with, um, you know, she helps out the stepbrother, which makes her mom happy, but upsets her dad. And from then on, her dad won't give her any money. Man, we, we, we examine this like obscure plot point <laughs> to death. <laughs> So when, 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 when Peter asks Flash why he knows Spider-Man will be there, we get the little inspirational music as Flash pounds his chest saying, he's the greatest guy in the world, and he's all hard. He performed at a circus for charity last month, which incidentally was also another case where they announced he was going to be there and he showed up. He won't <laughs> let his loyal fans down. As Peter's thinking, gosh, how can I hate someone who feels that way about Spidey? Right. I love his face too. He's, he's like, oh, that's sweet. <laughs> everybody's faces are so exaggerated on this page like Betty on the top panel she's like looking at Liz and like no one's asking about why Peter's looking at Flash that way either I just love Steve Ditko's facial expressions there's a scene coming up and I guess we'll talk about it next episode because it's in uh, issue 19 where there's three panels of J. Jonah Jameson getting the news that Spider-Man is back oh yeah and, and it's exactly just like fun. that is Steve Ditko and his mastery of the human face and it's just, it, it's, he's really, he's really using that a lot here. I like it. So Flash's God Bless America speech ends, as he says, so when he sees that notice in the paper, he'll be there. Peter, <laughs> doing everything but winking at the, you know, reader, says, something tells me you're right, Flash. <laughs> as he, like, looks at the reader. Get it, guys? Get it? You got it? And, and Liz can't resist, Team Liz can't resist another dig at Team Betty. Now you be sure to come, Petey. I know Miss Brand can't come because her boss, Jonah Jameson, might not like it. I'm sorry, I may be 14, but that entire speech belongs to that. <laughs> that is too. This is the way that Josh read it. And if you change Betty's line to where I come instead of where I go, it just it just makes it all much better. <laughs> where I come on my own time is my business, Miss Allen. We should say we should we should say we should say as an aside tonight, me and Josh, we didn't we didn't actually form any Facebook groups. While on Facebook, we we're like, oh, Team Liz, Team Betty. We actually I'm we actually so like taking sides. I'm so gonna form a group now that Donovan mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got the idea because I I was seeing all these Twilight Team Edward and Team Jacob stuff, and I was like, well, Liz and Betty are a lot cooler than Jacob and Edward. So and don't forget well, Team Mary Jane. Yeah, as I put oh. on the uh, as I put on the thread. Team Mephisto all the way. Soon there will be no other teams. He'll <laughs> <laughs> wreck on all your other teams out of existence. Oh, yeah. What, <laughs> say, what teams are you talking about? I don't know. What? what? Uh? All right, guys, we're still what? on page seven, aren't we? The red- <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> we got through four panels. Hold on, Liz. This is my fan club. I didn't invite Pewdie Parker to come. Oh, another come reference. How nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
Just then, Peter Parker Spider-Man sends tingles because the Green Goblin is reading the newspaper. I guess that's a reason for it to... Also because, for some odd reason, um, if you look at the panel, the shadow is covering Norman Osborn's face, but just his face and the lower half of his body in a way that's, like, not entirely possible. Well, the bill of his hat is not that big to give him that big of a shadow at the back of his head. Yeah, and also, like, it stops at the neckline. Like, it, it would continue on to his collar or something. And the lady right behind him affects none of the shadow. It's very important to remember here, Stanley explicitly says, but why should Peter recognize the one dangerous man in the crowd? He's never seen him without his green goblin mask before. At this point in time, we've never seen, uh, sorry, Peter's never seen uh, the green goblin without his green goblin mask before. Surely at this point in time, neither have Stan and Steve. So for all those people who are guessing J. Jonah Jameson or the Vulture, Stan explicitly says here that this is a new guy, but the way that Stan forgets things, I wouldn't be surprised if Stan, for, if Stan would have like gone back on that. Yeah, like, by, the, by the end of the issue, he still he wanted to, to be J. Jonah Jameson, but forgot. They, they retconned later that St- uh, Peter and Norman knew each other earlier, but when we actually do bring Norman Osborn as a named character into the story, that is... They play it as if it's the first time Pete's ever met him. Oh, they so. play it as if he's a no, like he's just another businessman. Because when they do, when when you do play it that they've met before, it's like Peter in a flashback tale, meaning Norman saying, "Wow, you know, you're my inspiration, and you're the reason why I got in the science, and you're super famous." You're my inspiration. Contrast that with issue. I think it's thirty-seven. It's either 37 or 38, where Peter and Harry are talking, and Harry's like, and Peter's thinking, now for some reason, I think I've heard of Harry's dad, but I don't know where. 37, right. I believe. It's the last, it's, I think it's like the last or second to last Ditko issue. So Liz lays it all on the table. Flash Thompson, unless Petey is invited to the meeting, I'll tell my father not to let you use his dinner club for the affair. Liz, how can you do this to me? <laughs> Very easily. Like, it's about to go down, but Betty, you know, could care less. She's like, I've got to get home now, Peter. It's like, she looks no. all hurt and sad. <laughs> Peter's like so ADD in that panel. He's like, no, shadowy figure. I don't care about, you know, my girlfriend wanting me to, like, basically, like, it's almost like when your girlfriend says, take me home, that means take her home. Right. I mean, because you might be mm. getting some, but it's the Silver Age, so he won't. But, you know. Peter actually does that in like, the rest of the issues. Like, Betty will say something. He's like, oh, okay, Betty. Drat, I don't want to hang out with Betty. I want to chase some bad guys. Exactly. He does, it, he does it over and over again. Well, I think, I think it's kind of the thing with Peter Parker and girlfriends. I'm surprised that any relationship ever lasts because all we ever see is him ditching his girlfriends to go out and fight bad guys. We never see, like, sustained happy times with them. We assume that they happen, but we never see them. Hell, he so, even ditched his marriage to go fight a bad guy recently. Exactly, right? <laughs> oh, timely. Well, I mean, it was to have, you know, fat guys sitting on you time. Now to the rest of page eight, which is pretty much logic fail the whole time. First of all, <laughs> Peter walks Betty home, and she's internally frustrated because she doesn't know why Peter asked him to go to the Spider-Man fan club meeting. You know, I mean, it's not like she, you know, told him once that if she ever saw Spider-Man again, she would just die. Like in issue 10. Right. No, not issue 10. What, issue 11, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> but Peter, as he's walking away, says, Oh, I would love to invite Betty, but I can't because I got to tend to Spider-Man. Hope she doesn't feel hurt. Well, it's Betty Brands, and you obviously don't know her by now because you can't, like, <laughs> rip apart a tissue in half without her feeling hurt. So Spider- <laughs> Spider-Man follows that Green Goblin shadowy figure, and it's another person entirely. I think Stan forgot. Like... 
Can somebody, like, piece this together for me? Uh, he can't find the guy. He keeps looking for guys in suits and hats. Mm. He can't find the right one. The dude with the yeah. mustache? The dude with the mustache yeah. is not the right guy. Yeah, he's wearing, but, like, a brown suit oh, as opposed but, to that, whatever it was, green and yellow stripe thing. The way that the dialogue is and everything, it seems like that it was supposed to be Norman Osborn, and Stan just, like, got ADD halfway through and made it a different guy. He's like, well, my spider sense means that this guy's dangerous, but hey, you know, I don't really trust my spider sense, and after that whole movie <laughs> thing, I'm going to leave this alone. So he changes back <laughs> to Peter Parker, and it turns out, oh, what do you know, the guy is dangerous, but the Human Torch saves the day. Yeah, the supporting character that the Human Torch... The Human Torch is the Amazing Spider-Man in 1960s, what Green Arrow is to Smallville uh, and currently. Yeah, yeah, at least for the next few issues, to, through 21 at least. Oh, he's, he's like a regular supporting character. So the Human Torch signs some autographs, including one for Peter Parker, who's just kind of standing there slack. John, he's like, oh, I know that you're a fan. Here's an autograph, dude. Don't I be shy. Sleep with it under my pillow? <laughs> That's really fun. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't be a Human Torch fan? So Peter decides to either sell it on eBay or Craigslist, but then settles on giving it to a little kid and saying, hey, I got Spider-Man's autograph. And the kid says, oh, you nuts, Human Torch, all the way. So Jonah decides that this fan club meeting could make Spider-Man bigger than the Beatles, so he must practice unbiased journalism by showing up and finding some way to trash it in his paper. <laughs> right. Jonah wants Betty to call Peter and have him there with his camera, but Betty doesn't want Peter there because of, you know, Liz. But she's, you know, Liz, Betty's an honest person. She can't just lie to Jonah and say, okay, I'll call Peter and not call no. She's going to be honest and follow her boss's orders to the letter. But how's she going to get around this moral dilemma? Ah, She's going to call when she knows he's not home. <laughs> what genius is this? This is – the logic is just so – it's like instead of like just not calling, she's like, oh, I'll call. I'll call when he's not home. <laughs> what I really like about this bit is that Jonah shows probably his first bit of journalistic ethics here. Uh, he's nobling that he's not just taking money from anyone in terms of filling up his paper with ads and stuff. But at the same time – East Crusading against a kid's fan club. Yes, um, I know, for teenagers, right? <laughs> you know, God forbid the clan try to take out any money, he'd probably go and nuke them all, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is how he reacts to a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, I, I like how you said this is sort of, you know, we see some of his ethics here, because they'll, they'll clearly play in, in in issue 20 where he has no ethics at all. Well, I, I'll give it the next issue. He's got pretty... <laughs> few ethics as well J. jim jimison in ethics could you believe it yeah we could be here all night literally if we were just to list every issue where jonah jameson doesn't have ethics so taking a break from team betty and team liz peter arrives home and aunt may you know still sporting that team mary jane banner announces <laughs> to peter that you know he has a date with mary jane peter reminds her that he's old enough to make his own dates and oh yeah by the way <laughs> i have a girlfriend Remember that one that, like, you know, visited you in the hospital when you were sick? Yeah, her. I have a girlfriend. I'll nonsense, just dear. I know what's best for you. Nonsense. <laughs> yeah, just nonsense. Hello, hello, hello. She's a sweet girl. Mrs. Watson says so. Mrs. Watson isn't that? biased at all. <laughs> About her niece, which <laughs> I guess kind of plays into that whole thing. Like, you know, how well did Aunt May know Mary Jane before all this, where... It was retcon that Mary Jane and Aunt May were at least casual enough friends that they were visiting each other for, you know, at least a few years before she met Peter, although somehow she never met Peter during any of this time. Peter figures out, gosh, Aunt May, it's impossible tonight. I'm going to a meeting of the Spider-Man fan club. She wouldn't be interested in that. 
Why, that's just perfect, dear. Mary Jane's aunt tells me she just loves Spider-Man, although personally I can't see why. Of course Spoiler, she loves she Spider-Man. Doesn't. She lives next door to him. Yeah. When, and, and knows who he is. Yeah, at this point she knows who he is, you know, for those of you uh, not following all the retcons going around. So it's actually really interesting. And that would have been a really good what if. Like, if they would have done what if Peter had to take Mary Jane to the fan club meeting with him. First yeah. of all, Betty, Betty would have nuked the place before, like, the Green Goblin would have come. <laughs> and, and I think you'd have had Team Betty and, and Team Liz teaming up to form one super team against Team MJ. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been like the swords combining in Power Rangers. It's like that, um, it's oh. like that, um, that, that, that Superman's uh, girlfriend Lois Lane cover where it's Lana and Lois shaking hands going, Superman's with a new girl. It's time for us to put aside our rivalry and team up and stop her. <laughs> pretty awful. Well, 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 wasn't the thing that was that Mary Jane didn't want to meet the reason that she, he hasn't met her before is because she didn't want to meet him because she knew he was Spider Man. So where's all this? Oh, she's actually a huge fan of Spider Man crap coming from. Is it just Mary Aunt May oh, being I, high again? Oh, I bet Mary Jane like is saying it to basically um, but to mind Peter, like basically like, like oh, by the way, tell Peter that I'm just the hugest Spider Man fan, and then thinking like, ha ha ha, let him make sense of that one. What a bitch. And when Mary Jane first meets Spider-Man somewhere around ish the uh, early 60 issues, like 60-something, like, she's very, very flirty with him. She's like, you have do, you have, do you have any brothers? I said, yeah. move, woman. Well, saved by the bell, as Aunt May has an exposition-friendly phone call with Anna Watson. And I really, really hate it when movies and TV shows do it, where you have a phone call where the person just basically repeats what the other person's saying. <laughs> Hello? And doesn't oh, give them any time to say it as well. Hello? Oh, Mrs. Watson. What? Mary Jane has a bad cold and can't go out tonight? Tiss, tiss. Peter will be so disappointed. In real life, this is how the conversation would have gone. Hello? Hello, May. It's me, Anna. Mrs. Watson? Mary Jane has a bad cold and can't go out with Peter tonight. What? Mary Jane has a bad cold and can't go out with Peter tonight? (laughs) May, I know you're senile, but please stop repeating everything I say. What he needs a good Zen hospital to make you lose this annoying tick. <laughs> so Peter's relieved that he's out of this date, but Aunt May takes, but, you know, he does the whole mock, oh, I'm so disappointed. So Aunt May's like, what's that? If Peter's so disappointed, she might try dressing warm and taking some pills, which the conversation would have gone. Oh, Peter's disappointed. How about she dresses warm and takes some pills? What's that? If Peter's so disappointed, she might try dressing warm and taking some pills. <laughs> and, then, and then I was like... What are you, why are you saying this, man? Come on. Like, why, why are you talking like that? Speaking of which, if I was Peter, I would be very, very worried about dating this girl because this is the second time that she's gotten too sick to go out with him. Right. Oh, no. It was the first time it was a headache. Like, this girl has no immune system. So Peter runs out before, you know, he has to listen to any more of this exposition-heavy phone call. And that's the man, and that's the Team Mary Jane feature of the issue. So Flash, Liz, and her dad, who for some odd reason is named Mr. Brandt, as if the whole... Allen, A-L-L-A-N and A-L-L-E-N wasn't confusing enough. <laughs> oh my god, he is! Like, even, even in my copy, he's like, we sure appreciate it, Mr. Brandt, father of Liz Allen. Yeah. <laughs> and no relation to Ms. Brandt. Another, yeah, an- well, another name for it. They're both named Elizabeth! <laughs> yeah, oh, well, here's another mind freak for you. We've never seen Betty Brandt's father. She and Liz are actually separated at birth. What a sexy combination. Explains why they hate each other so much. That blonde boy stealer stole my father, and now she's going to steal my boyfriend. (laughs) The craziest thing ever. (laughs) 
Well, he's excited about the boost it will bring to his club, which uh, I don't know how Why? that's going to be the issue. This is a huge, massive place. I mean, are they going to have people to fill it, let alone repeat customers? I guess this whole Spider-Man fan club thing is a lot bigger than they expected. Well, Flash yeah. is pretty popular. It's like, show up or I'll give you a wedgie. <laughs> Spidey and Goblin both prepare separately for their grand entrance. Jonah asks Betty if Peter got the message, and Betty says he wasn't in. And Betty reminds herself internally, little does he know that I purposely called when he wasn't home. Ha 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 ha. I'm so honest, yet so devious at the same time. And the look on her face is like, you know, secret agent Betty Brant calling people when they're not at home. <laughs> There's a really cool the, the the Spider-Man and Green Goblin panels right there next to each other. It's almost like a diptych. You know, they're kind of like you know both doing the same thing but in their own ways. It's kind of a, just a cool little couple of panels. I like it. Yeah, For stuff. some reason, oh, go ahead. For some reason, Johnny Storm is attending with Dory Evans, the biggest shrew in all of Silver Age history, which is saying a lot. <laughs> and she's like, "Remember, Johnny, you're not here to be the Human Torch." Oh, don't worry, Dory. The only flame in my heart will be the burning one for you, or something like that. And I already you know, hate Dory. How can you not hate Dory, especially after issue 21? Oh yeah. God. Spider-Man swings the room, and everyone is amazed. But then his web line breaks, and he begins to fall, like. 15 oh, no. from the ground and everyone reacts dramatically it's like oh no i can't look he might sprain his ankle or something well that's never happened to him before not like the time he fought the vulture and you know broke his shoulder in front of everybody in new york that's never happened to him before everyone thinks it's, it's an act oh everyone thinks that's part of the show except for johnny storm storm is right because the green goblin threw an exploding toe to break Spider-Man's web. I, I'm sorry. I know that I'm a few hours ahead of you guys and I'm drinking coffee step late, but that was a razor-sharp exploding frog. <laughs> hallucinating. There, there, there's a reason why the pumpkin bomb survived this issue and the exploding frog is a, is a footnote in Goblin history. So this isn't the sonic toad. This is the razor-sharp exploding frog. I gotcha. Yeah. I also yeah. love the fact that it looks like a real toad. It doesn't look like, like it's a toy or, or a gadget. It has like limbs, uh, articulatures that are like, you know, just... <laughs> About say the the legs actually stream behind it as it goes through the air. It's very <laughs> impressive. So Liz doesn't care for Spider Man uh, and thinks that the evening's going to be just a complete disaster if Peter doesn't show up. Can someone remind this girl that she turned down a date with Peter in issue six because Spider Man called her blue eyes? Exactly. The Goblin makes his presence known. Wait, the Green Goblin's here? Oh no! People might get hurt. Maybe Spider-Man should take the battle elsewhere or warn everyone to, like, vacate the building. Nah. No, he decides that people can get hurt in the rush, but not by the Goblin, that they might, like, hurt each other stampeding out. So he'll play along as if it's a show. Because it's always good to have dangerous supervillains flying around in enclosed spaces with lots of people. <laughs> I, I, oh, no, the Green Goblin. Oh, I better play along with this. I mean, <laughs> you know, whatever. So the Green Goblin introduces his Goblin Sparks, which Spider-Man dodges to the pleasure of the crowd. Betty, like Liz, doesn't care and is only thinking of Peter. She's relieved that Peter isn't there, where Liz can sink her claws into him. The Goblin lets out more of his arsenal, including pumpkin bombs and a bat. We don't really see much of the bat anymore, but the pumpkin bombs, that's very iconic, and this is their first appearance. Yeah. Well, I should imagine a farting bat just wasn't the thing they wanted to go with. <laughs> It like brings the Egyptian plague of darkness down on Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great gimmick. Johnny begins to voice his suspicions to Dory that this is happening for real. Liz wonders where Peter is and realizes that she's never seen him and Spidey together. 
And for some reason, she's wondering this out loud. Well, not for some reason. It's for the reason of plot. So that way Peter can overhear it and realizes that he needs to finish the goblin and change quickly. Of course, this, some... is, the, this is the magic secret identity threat. Yeah. Well, because well, Liz Allen, you know, like the cheerleader who was too dumb to even go to college is going to, you know, figure this out. Not only that, but like, you know, well, why would why... you say it out loud? Why have, not, why have I not seen Peter Parker and Peter... And... Spider-Man at the same time. You could also say, well, why haven't I seen my dad and Peter Parker or, or Spider-Man at the same time? Liz probably walks around saying stuff like that. Like, wait a minute. How come I've never seen Flash Thompson and Iron Man together? But the- you know, I've, I've never seen President Obama and Superman in the same room before. Why have I never seen that tree and the hot dog stand in the same place before? <laughs> they must be the same! Josh, 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 So this has gone from Liz making an incredibly intellectual deduction to Liz being an idiot. <laughs> Although you have to admit, she looks really good in this issue. Steve Ditko really gave her some nice curves with that shirt. The oh most my. idiotic bit of this is you got a master lunatic with advanced scientific abilities and weaponry flying around the place trying to kill Spider-Man in front of you and now you want to start realising that Peter is Spider-Man. You know, get your bloody priorities right. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of getting your priorities right, um, surely Peter should realise there's a master lunatic with advanced scientific abilities and weaponry trying to kill you in front of your fan club Forest Hills chapter and now you're going to start going <laughs> back like you thought Liz Allen and all of that. Just... Why are people thinking this way? And, priorities, and, and, priorities. And that lunatic, that lunatic, by the way, is going to become Liz's father-in-law eventually. Oh, so convoluted. For me as well, because he seems to be the thought. Seems to shack just about everyone that Pete's interested in. Oh my, <laughs> he would do that to piss off Harry. Well, oh, yeah. Some criminals randomly decide that they're going to rob the club because, hey, you know, let's rob the place that Spider-Man's making an appearance at. I mean. And, and what were those three guys? I mean, they're just like out of nowhere. They're not part of the Goblins team. Now is our chance. We, we we came here to see the show, but we brought our guns just in case we wanted to feel like robbing, but maybe not. They're the plot device of no reason. So Johnny changes into the Human Torch to help with things, but when he's flying up to stop the criminals, he gets in the way of Spider-Man's webbing as it's about to catch the Goblin. The criminals the, are scared uh, away. Thing. Is that the cover of Andrew? Yeah, the that cover. is the cover, yeah. The criminals are scared away. In fact, one of them is so scared that he's announcing that he's going to retire from crime. <laughs> oh, wow. No, he's announcing his sexual orientation. I'm going straight. I'm taking the pledge. Is, 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 is Britney Spears playing in the background? I was about to say, can I hear Toxic? <laughs> Baby, can't you see? I'm calling a guy like you should wear a war. You know like the shows in Smallville they'll, they'll play like, like songs of young artists. It's like for this, Spider-Man. You know, you know what this, this fight scene needs? It needs pretty serious toxic. Tonight. <laughs> it's like the old episodes of Smallville, like tonight's episode of Smallville, featured music by Lifehouse. <laughs> tonight's episode of Amazing Spider-Man Classics is featuring music by Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> Which, she wasn't even born yet. Let's let's keep going. Hell no. So so Spider-Man decides that the Green Goblin's not even worth his trouble now that the Human Torch is there. So he somehow manages to change in the Peter, which I don't know how he would have managed to do because everyone's like, oh wait, where'd Spider-Man go? I mean, you would have thought that like with all those people in the room, somebody would have been looking at him. He also has his uh, web, web boots still on. Yeah, yeah, he totally does. Somebody so, better not look down. And yeah, <sighs> Liz doesn't look down. 
Actually, I didn't, I, didn't pull them out. I didn't pull them out for any of our letter, com- letter columns commentary later, but people did call them on the fact that they uh, there was a letter writer who's like, hey, he still has the spider boots on. So they got called on it. Stan Sam was like, shut up, no one else knows. <laughs> At this point, Peter and Sibby is running in. And just, I just don't understand what he's doing. Get out your clothes and get the bloody goblin. I mean, did Superman, <laughs> did Superman pause in the middle of Superman number 75, getting the sh- beaten out of him by Doomsday, quickly ran off, changed into Clark, stood in the crowd and yelled, Superman, no, it can't be, he's losing, before changing back into Superman to get killed. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. It just it just reminds me of like like all the after school kids sitcoms where the main character like tries to schedule a double date and it doesn't work like Zach did on Saved by the Bell and I think Funky Brewster did it once. It's like trying to be in two places at the same time. There would be a moral at the end of the story. Or like yeah, everything would collide. Or like Mrs. Doubtfire when he's running back and forth and changing from Mrs. Doubtfire to Robin Williams. Like and he's at a dinner at the same restaurant and he like returns to the table dressed as Mrs. Doubtfire. Right. I love Mrs. Doubtfire so much. It's the last <laughs> funny Robin Williams a- after, she, after she almost murders James Bond. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was say, is, is, it, is it 007 in that movie? Yeah, Pierce it, it, it was a run by fruiting. I'm so sorry. Well, no, like, did, isn't she the reason why he choked? Didn't she, like, you know, poison him? Oh, yeah. She put too much yeah. on it. Yeah. So between uh, Peter Parker showing up and the Human Torch, Flash complains that there are way too many deadheads at this meeting. <laughs> so Liz tries to enroll Peter in the fan club again, but he announces that he's starting one for the Green Goblin instead. You know, the guy that causes your daughter to be stillborn and, you know, kills the love of your life later on so, to start a fan club for him. So Peter's like, well, now that I've shown myself, I've got to get back to the Goblin Flash. But yipes, look who's here. Look, Parker did come. After all, but where's his camera? Peter's here with Liz. <gasps> She's running her fingers through his hair. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> you look pale, Petey. Is anything wrong? <laughs> Boy, is that the understatement of the year. Make it sound like Betty's about to undergo some sort of psychotic break. <laughs> Peter, here we oh, She's running her fingers through his hair. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Mary Jane. <laughs> Who I haven't met yet. <laughs> <laughs> Goblin throws a little ghost on Torch. It's Casper! I mean, and that's. I, I really have no other way to explain this but that he throws a little ghost on the human Torch. <laughs> and he throws a couple like, of them. Get him! <laughs> As Peter runs to change back into Spider Man now that Liz has seen him, the kids begin to realize that the fight is real, because. I mean, hey, it's obvious, but okay. <laughs> it was obvious like, you know, 10 minutes ago. Or in <laughs> podcasting time half an hour ago. <laughs> God. <laughs> Just kidding. And the Human Torch barely survives the Green Goblin's glider smoke, which is actually what caused them to be like, hey, the Human Torch almost died. This might be serious. Right. Spider-Man returns to the fight, but not for long. As he swings to the ground to dodge another punch from the Goblin, he overhears another phone call. And apparently, like, this person who's taking the call must have... Is that Mr. Brant or Mr. Allen, by the way? I think <laughs> uh, it's supposed no, to be Mr. Allen. Stash. I think that is supposed to be Mr. Allen answering the phone. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Allen it's someone who well, knows who Peter Parker is. Well, apparently he and um, Aunt May went to the same school for phone calls because, hello, what? Yes, I think Peter Parker is here. Why? His aunt suffered another heart attack. His aunt suffered another heart attack? <laughs> She's asking for him in the hospital. She's asking for him in the hospital? Okay. It's very inconsiderate of Aunt May to choose tonight yeah. of all nights to suffer a massive yeah. uh, myocardial infarction. She's asking for him in the hospital. She's asking for him in the hospital? I see. 
I'll see if I can find him. So Peter responds by just, you know, bolting out of the meeting. He, he doesn't so, even oh, he runs away. He literally, like, 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 just, like, runs out the door. This phone call's loud enough that Peter can hear it over the sounds of the battle. And the moment his name's mentioned Aunt May, Spider-Man runs away. Where the hell is Liz at this point? <laughs> Surely Wait. that's the clue she's been waiting for. Right. You would think so. Yeah. You know so. <laughs> Well, Liz, 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 I mean, she, she saw him. She touched his hair, so it can't possibly be Peter. I mean, <laughs> in, in fact, you think that changing in the Peter Parker would have made it worse? Because then, like, Liz would have noticed that Peter, like, appeared as soon as Spider-Man disappeared. And his hair is all, like, like, like out of place and everything. He, he looks like he's been doing exercise. It's like, oh, well, this completely throws me off. And <laughs> <laughs> <in> his shoes. <laughs> But I mean, he makes a comment like, oh, I was on the other side of the room the whole time. She's like, oh, well, that's plausible. His own fan club boos him. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Allen's business club goes down the drain after that. Yeah. Mr. Brand. That's where the money went. It's supposed to be Mr. Allen, yes. The hell is it's, wrong? Time, I, I... it's supposed to be Mr. Allen. In fact, it's Wilson Allen, just so you know. His first name is later revealed to be my as last a, name. As opposed to Wilson Fisk. <laughs> He's the, he became the kingpin. He like gained like three hundred pounds like by overeating after his wife left him because the clothes. This is even the John Burns continuity. <laughs> this is why we didn't write chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think Betty and Lich have the exact same father. <laughs> oh God. Well, the goblin retreats because he's like, well, if Spider-Man's not here, I mean, hey, why should I stick around? So he temporarily binds the Human Torch and takes off as well. Dory decides that she's not mad at Johnny for being the Human Torch because um, there's no reason to be. But, like, she <laughs> says it as if, like, it's a usual occurrence, which from all of her appearances that I've read, it, it pretty much is. Like, Donovan was talking to me about that Marvel's uh, series that Kurt Busiek did where Johnny's like, hey, I'm going to heat up some more girls for you, Dory. Don't you dare! Yeah, she, she's 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 like you better not. I, I swear this time I will break up with you. I don't remember that from Marvels. I don't remember them focusing on it's that. Like, it's like one panel of. It's, uh, it's at like Alicia Storm's party or something. Oh Alicia yeah, right, right, Al- right, Al- right, Alicia yeah. Masters. I call her Alicia Storm because I was reading some of the older issues where she and Johnny were married. Huh. I, I'm not even going to try and explain what? the whole Johnny being married <laughs> thing. Oh, oh yes, because that's going to be a ten minute tangent. Okay. So speaking everyone, of ten minutes, everyone tangent. want one of those on this on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Noticing how upset he is about Spider-Man's coward act, she asks if she act, if he actually likes him. Johnny runs off. Johnny Jonah runs off to the bugle, ready to put out an extra. I, I, I do have to say I feel sorry for Johnny. He's not going to get his bromance tonight. But yeah, I, I mean, hey. they're, they're both with the woman that they love, though. He's with Dory, and Peter's with Aunt May. Right. Oh God. I love so the fact Jonah... Jonah here runs off. He can't wait to publish that he, a 40-year-old man or 40-plus-year-old man, was hanging around all night with a bunch of young, gullible teenagers. Well, I mean, he came <laughs> here with with the, like, unbiased journalism, you know, intentions of finding a way to rip this club a new one. <laughs> so as he's running off, he's, he's oblivious to Betty crying because her whole world's falling apart with, like, her 19th-century handkerchief. Right. Yeah, con- conveniently in there. And I feel like telling the world what a fool I am for thinking Peter Parker ever cared about me. I'll never trust him ever again. And in Liz Allen's face in that next panel, Peter Parker must be part ghost. Now where did he disappear to? To which her dad probably should have said, I don't know, maybe because his aunt's in the hospital, but that would be too logical. And then the mom so everyone- angry loser teenagers, yeah, they all walk out. Yeah, everyone's leaving the club, and why? She's like, "Wait, we got to hold elections for officers." 
And they're like, uh, yeah, this ship has sailed, Flash, bye. And he's like, I'm never going to desert Spidey. Never, ever, ever. The guy who says, forget it, Flash, uh, Spider-Man can go jump in the lake. Does it not look like his head is just 180 degrees around the wrong way? His body's moving forward. His head is totally facing back. <laughs> his chin is behind his neck. Yeah. <laughs> Which guy? It's, long, it's longer than man. In panel uh, three on page 21. Yeah. Bottom in right. Coat. Jump, jump in the lake guy? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. He yeah, he's like, like, he actually had just came back from his exorcist shoot. And he's like, <laughs> hey, Liz, Peter may be part ghost, but I'm part, you know, contortionist. <laughs> Where's my jingled? He's the next bad guy. So Peter visits Aunt May in the hospital. Uh, you know, this is... Uh, are, are we still counting hospital visits? <laughs> this is the third, second one, right? I think this is the third time that she... I think it's this, this is the second one because when she was in, in issue 9 and 10, that was what kind of a situation. Yeah. So, which, um, yeah, but, which we never find out what she was sick for, but uh, Mr. Allen <laughs> slash Brant says that it's another heart attack, so maybe it was either a heart attack before she's had, like, undisclosed amount of heart attacks in her past. I do have to say on, on that last page, on the top, the first panel, how you kind of like have a city shot and you have two different speech balloons coming from two different totally, you know, two separate scenes. It's just kind of, you know, effective storytelling on Stan's part to squeeze both of those bits into one panel. I just want to say cool. kudos to them on that. So Peter visits Aunt May in the hospital, and the next day the press is all abuzz about Spider's cowardness. And Peter sits alone in his room thinking about how everything is crap for him. Betty's mad, his fans are mad, and the goblin's free, and Aunt May had another heart attack. Huck, yuck, yuck, that Parker luck. Why don't things ever turn seem to turn out right for me? Why do I seem to hurt people no matter how I try not to? Is this the price I must always pay for being... Dot, dot, dot. Spider-Man, man, man, man. Now, speaking of Aunt May and her team Mary Jane stuff, I want you guys to notice something. Peter was supposed to take Mary Jane out, and he didn't. Instead, he's at this fan club meeting with, as far as Aunt May knows, two other girls. So how does she respond? By faking a heart attack? (laughs) (laughs) That would be evil, sir. (laughs) You should have gone out with Mary Jane! I think the the, title of this episode will be... Aunt May colon capital letters the bitch. Yeah, it's it, it's like um that's it's like that scene in the first Spider-Man movie where like she's in her coma, she wakes up and like winks at the audience and then like pretends to like. Be- <laughs> <laughs> that would be I'm gonna be like Rosemary Harris doing that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, thank you, Josh. Uh, this is a wacky issue, actually. I, I just thought, I used to think like this is uh, this is a really good issue, but like I never realized how ass goofy it is it, it's really good it's one of my favorites of the run but yeah there are a lot of things that could have easily gone other ways and especially no if Aunt May's faking it oh, that's what Jameson said it. oh my this was actually one of the first Spider-Man comics I ever read and I think it was my first Lee Ditko one because when I first started getting into like collecting Spider-Man comics I got a few of them but like one of it was either like my second or third comic was a trade called uh, Spider-Man versus the Green Goblin and this was one of the issues in there. Um, in fact, the issues that they chose were really, really weird and random. Like, instead of putting issue 14 in the trade, they put issue 17. And then the next issue was the drug trilogy. So, like, I'm reading this, and at the end, Betty's mad at him. And then at the beginning of the next issue in the trade, like, he's, like, walking by her as if she's nobody. Like, oh, hey, hi, Betty. Is Jameson in? And he's thinking about some girl named Gwen. And then all of a sudden, the Goblin and Spider-Man know each other's identities. That was skipped in the trade. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking. I just looked that trade up. It has 17, 
And then uh-huh. 96, 97, 98, which was, I guess, his last big hurrah before the Gwen stuff. And then, and then the yep. 121, 122, and then the death of Harry in, tw- in Spectacular 200. Yeah, the death of Harry, which when you get to that, all of a sudden Peter and Mary Jane are married. Liz is Harry's wife, and Harry's been the goblin for a while. It's like a really out-of-place trade, but because of that, like I, this is one of my first Lee Dicko Spider-Man stories ever, and it holds a very special place in my heart. That's cool. I think it's a great uh, – the 17, 18, 19 is probably my favorite story of um, – definitely of this year uh, and probably of all of Ditko's run. I think it has like the, the best art so far we've covered in the issues. Um, like you said, like, there's a lot of like, really classic faces like, all over the place. And I think that the choreography between Spider-Man and the Goblin is, is really good near the end. The action is amazing. The fight scene on the stage with the torch and the goblin and Spider-Man, there's a lot of just really good stuff there. I like how after uh, the goblin throws the uh, smoke ghost onto the torch and it expands, like it still has eyes. Like even if it's just a big old cloud, the third panel is just a big old cloud. There's two little teeny tiny eyes floating up there in the corner. It's just kind of funny. Wasn't that in the Spectator Spider-Man? I know they scream, but like when the Green Goblin throws his pumpkin bombs, don't they... Wasn't there one instance where they where they made a, a, a pumpkin face or something? In the cartoon? Yeah, they kind of ripped that off from here. May have or done. Something. I've only seen those episodes once each. So I don't remember. I love the ghost like with the, with the the angry faces like ah let's, and then like in the third panel on page seventeen like like they they still they, they look they have like their actual consciousness like they're <laughs> ghosts like the ghost is actually like feeling about the whole situation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. At one point, Flash tells one of a classmate named Seymour to bite his tongue. It's going to sound like I'm making this up, but... Poor bastard. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, eventually, uh, I, I guess the only way to tell this is to start from the beginning, but around uh, In the Mark, no, Mark Millar, when he was writing Marvel Knight Spider-Man, this is actually pretty cool that he did this. He would send his scripts and they get proofread by spiderfan.org, and they would do things like correct continuity mistakes and help him put in Easter eggs. And during the issue where they did the high school reunion, they asked him um, – uh, he asked Spider-Fan to come up with, like, an obscure high school character that could kill off. And uh, they found Seymour. You know, he had, like, a few background shots, and he was name-dropped once or twice, and they gave him the last name of O'Reilly. And he gets killed by Venom, like, two seconds after finding out that Peter's Spider-Man. Yeah, I remember we talked about that. But, yeah, so this is – he actually did pull the name Seymour out of the book. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I just love this – magic uh, hall where everything w- happened, uh, this ballroom space, which is big enough to allow Spider-Man to swing at full speed around, the Human Torch to fly around, enough momentum to keep himself going, and the Green Goblin's rear thrust glider to give him enough room to keep moving to allow him to stay airborne. It, it's massive. It's brilliant. And obviously they could not have stayed like on the stage. Like The impression that they give you is that this is all happening over the stage, but there's no way all the things you just said could have happened in such a small space. They're flying all over their heads. I mean, it's a massive ballroom, and these guys are flying all over the place. I kind of want to do like a like a, like a goofy thing happening counts as I like skim back for the beginning of the issue. You have Green Goblin uh, having a, a Spider-Man doll, I guess, to to work out on. Have, <laughs> oh my. I've forgotten that. Yes. Well, which Harry 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 discovered one day, and it led to like a very very awkward like dinner conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, Norman like, well, son, I. I, 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 I... I better come up with something to throw him off quick, or he's going <laughs> to suspect I'm the Green Goblin. I really like Spider-Man. Really like Spider-Man. Son, your mother's been dead for years, and a man's got needs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I God. I my special mask and use my special toys on him. 
Oh, oh, you think that's bad? You should see my giant man, the Hulk. I got the whole. <laughs> but this one has working web shooters, so you know we're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue the, uh, your list. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't, is it normal for old women to say, "Oh, I don't care that you have a girlfriend. Let me, let me, let me uh, suggest to you to you know go for this girl that I've heard is nice." I don't know. Aunt May is high again. Yeah, uh, to quote Michael Bailey, it's crazy. Exactly. He's probably just really controlling and doesn't trust Pete to make any decisions when she can make much better ones for him. No, she's not having any of this. He's like, I have a girlfriend. She's like, I don't care. You're having a date, and by the way, it's tonight. Yeah, that bitch only came and visited me in hospital life by a, a thread. Yeah. Anyway, here's this redhead girl who just has headaches every five seconds. <laughs> I mean, but, but she's not a high school dropout like that hussy. Yeah. We all know Peter has a thing for redheaded stranger. The electronically charged toy frog and speaks for herself. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I, this, is what, this is what blows my mind. I, I actually didn't notice this. You guys are going over it. Liz Allen's father is named Mr. Brandt. Yeah. It's another classic. Stanley got the name wrong for his character. That's like the worst. That's like the worst. Like that's that's like saying, oh, Professor Xavier, you know, calling him like, like I don't know, Professor Slackhoff or something. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like why would you? Like, oh man. We're just like calling you know Betty Ross Betty Brandt in the Hulk comics, or um, calling him Bob Banner or Peter Palmer. Well, those I are like, that, like I think Flash just had Betty on the brain. Has he met Betty before? I guess he may have. Yeah, he just met her a few pages ago. Well, theoretically, yeah. they went to high school together a while back. Huh? Well, when, when, when would she have to have uh, jumped no, off? I, hold on. I mean, I don't think that there's ever been any indication that Peter and Betty like were at Midtown High together. Oh, really? I thought that would have been it. Yeah, no, no. I, I don't remember. She probably went to Standard or something. Oh, God. Yeah, there, there's an untold tale. Her, her <laughs> as classmates with, you know, Gwen and Harry. But, uh... Oh, no, um, they were together in issue 15 um, when that, that Craven thing happened. That was like, oh, yeah, know, I'm sorry, you're right, you're right. Met. And they were together a few pages before the Miss Brand thing. Um, in fact, there's an, there's and there's a few issues of Untold Tales where, like, you know, hijinks ensued with, like, Betty meeting the classmates. Like, there's one time where they went on a double date together. That was really awkward. I, like I guess, yeah, I mean, there's, there's never an indication that Betty has any connection to Forest Hills. Which is right. where all of his friends are from. So she works in the city. They know each other because of Manhattan, but she could be living anywhere. So yeah, forget the whole they went to school together thing. I see. But, I like uh, she went to Forest Hills and was best friends with Jessica Jones before Jessica Jones disappeared because of the accident. Right. Yeah. Um. I never got any indication that Peter knew Betty before the Daily Bugle. It, it seems to be that that that's how they met. But I mean, maybe you know we can we can argue that because Flash, you know, because of what happens with Flash and Betty in the future. Spoiler, oh yeah, here we they, go. They, they kind of become a Ross and Rachel that maybe he was attracted to her back then. So like after that whole little meeting with Betty in the street, they you know he's got Betty on the mind and he calls his girlfriend's dad Mr. Brands. That's the stupidest explanation. <laughs> well, we, well we've come up we've come up with like is that a better explanation than than, than Liz's dad is Betty's dad? <laughs> Point taken. <laughs> so we do have that. Liz Allen's father. This is his first appearance. And I mentioned earlier that he uh, um, gets a first name of Wilson, and uh, it's that was actually done in the Handbook to the Marvel Universe Spider-Man issue from 2005. And he does come back up in uh, uh, ASM 28 when you know said, Liz, honey, it's time to go after they graduate. And I'm going to guess that he dies fairly early on because I don't remember him any of the stuff I've read. Liz Allen or Liz Osborne later on. It's killed by the Green Goblin, you know. Yeah. Oh, 
So to round out our discussion here, I have uh, once again, back by popular demand, because you demanded it, Miss... Yes, I did. <laughs> Miss Lily Wilson, my eight-year-old daughter, is going to give her thoughts on this issue. It's kind of funny how he ran into the movie when she thought it was a real crime, when it was a fake crime. Yeah, I feel bad for him. It's kind of funny how a lot of people, they like... They like one identity of the hero, but they hate the other identity. Like Flash, for instance, he calls Peter Puny Parker, and he thinks Spider-Man is the coolest guy on the planet. I like how Liz and Betty do the girl fight thing. I probably wish I would have been invited to the Spider-Man fan club, and I would have realized that it was a real fight. I probably would have run chicken. <laughs> I'm glad he had a good reason to run away for his Aunt May, and he was just run and he wasn't just running away because he was chicken. Spider-Man wouldn't run away if he was chicken. I kind of feel bad for Flash when all of his friends leave him, just a little bit. <laughs> Poor Spider at the end. The Green Goblin is not one of my favorite villains. I don't like how they just. He made it really long hiding his identity. Thank you for listening to Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Yeah, that's my girl. I always love having her on the show. I told you to stop doing that, John. I mean, I know she's <laughs> the most popular part of the show, but, you know, I want my attention, and she she cuts me out of, out of uh, airtime, so... Okay, you know what, Doc? Oh, wait, Doc. is this recording? Oh, no! You can sacrifice two minutes of your life. <laughs> well, it's going to be, like, in the future, we already decided that it's going to be uh, Little Donovan... Who is in no relation to regular Donovan and uh, Lily doing the podcast? <laughs> Earth to Donovan and then Lily. <laughs> right. So the letters page for this issue, appropriately enough, had letters regarding issue 14, which was the previous Green Goblin story. And uh, Larry Shanker thought that he had way too many gimmicks. And Gary Grafferty thought that there weren't enough, but neither one of them liked him. We also have another celebrity letter, Douglas Mensch would go on to work with Batman, Moon Knight, and Deathlock, but here he's only 16. He didn't enjoy the plot so much, but he really dug on the action, and he highlighted specific panels in his description. He thought that if BJ Cosmos was going to hire a Beetle to play a superhero, it should be the Hulk instead of Spider-Man because of the Hulk's hair. The way that that, would have, been, that would have been the worst movie ever. <laughs> and I'm, I'm saying that as a Marvel Comics fan and as a Beatles fan. He commented also on Paul Gambaccini's letter, the same Paul Gambaccini that our very own Stephen Lacey wrote about last episode, noting that Paul's letters have moved from harshly critical to a fan converted from the competition. So yay, Paul Gambaccini. And just above the Douglas Mensch letter is, uh, oh, it's Gary Rafferty. I was hoping it would be Jerry. Yes, but no, sorry. I actually <laughs> um, saw that and got excited. but it was Yes, not but no. In response to Richard May's request for Spider-Man to be able to control spiders, the editor says that a guy would look silly sitting somewhere having a conversation with a spider. But of course, that's exactly what we saw last episode with Jameson in the annual. And nobody told the people who were working on the Spider-Man comics around 2004. (laughs) (laughs) My response was, you know, oh, he would look silly talking to spiders as opposed to Ant-Man talking to ants. Right. (laughs) We don't care if he looks silly. (laughs) <laughs> right, wife Peter. So, um, <laughs> Morris Smart really called it when he congratulated Marvel for not revealing the Goblin's identity. 
I think that's one of the cool things about the Green Goblin, and I think that's one of the things that made Hobgoblin cool. And the third Green Goblin was not knowing who they were. People who want to bring back the Hobgoblin now forget that one of the things that made the Hobgoblin cool all those years was not knowing who he is. So anyways, um, and the last thing I wanted to pull out of the letters column was that Bill Dubay guessed he was Frederick Foswell. Well, he, he's, on the, he's on the trick there because Frederick Foswell does have a proclivity for secret identities. It, it, it does kind of make sense that, you know, having been the leader of the criminals, he would want to again be the leader of the criminals. I, I can see some logic to what he's saying. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. Bad Obviously, this. yeah, this letter that said that, um, okay, in 17 they established that it's someone who Peter's never seen before. So I just thought about that for a second. Who's somebody in the Spider-Man comics at this point who Peter has never seen before and who had a mysterious headache and cold? The same night that the Green Goblin had to crash a fan club meeting. <laughs> Could Sally it be Avril? Lily Hollister? Mary Jane? Mary Jane! You'll pay for this, Osborne. You'll pay. So much to splice together Christopher Daniel Barnes' dialogue. Like, you'll pay for this, Mary Jane! <laughs> if I have to track you down forever, you'll pay! I mean, I just randomly thought of it, because who, ha- who has Peter not <laughs> met that's like an established character? Oh my god. Ah, that, that would work. That would work if there were such a thing as a female cross-dressing supervillain at this point. Yeah, that dresses up as the Goblin. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait a that, rom- that, that romance is Harry Osborn, but makes a play for Peter. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the thick plottins, as they say. Um, <laughs> the uh, the special announcements lets us know that Captain America would be getting his own strip in Tales of Suspense, replacing the nearly terrible Watcher strip. I don't know if y'all have ever read any of those old Watcher stories. But oh, they were crazy. awful. They were pretty bad. Because basically, I, the Watcher was a framing character who would, you know, introduce a '50s-style horror story, or a really bad sort of uh, sci-fi story that wants to be the Twilight Zone but just isn't. <laughs> just isn't. <laughs> uh, yeah. We do have ads for the Amazing Spider-Man Annual which, of course, we've talked about, as well as the Marvel Tales Annual. Uh, We talked about those at length last time. And one thing I didn't say before, though, and it might be worth mentioning, is that besides Spider-Man, the Marvel Tales Annual also had origin story reprints for the Hulk, Giant Man and the Wasp, Thor, Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos, and Iron Man. But by now, we also have the second Fantastic Four Annual on sale, which would feature Doctor Doom's origin and backstory, as well as a big confrontation between him and the Four featuring his final victory. So it's a pretty cool um, annual also out this year. And that, 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 that blurb is such a lie. It was not his final victory. I was about to say, for 1964, that's uh, what we've been <laughs> reading for the last 45 years. It's his twin brother. Well, if if I recall, like Reed tricked Vincent him into thinking Bumping. that he won. Like he got into this like mind duel with Reed, and then he got tricked into thinking that Reed like vaporized himself. Yeah, they they did leave Doctor Doom off the table for a while after this story, almost a year. Which that story works in the '60s, but not um in you know 2010 where he'd be able to go onto the internet in Latveria and see that you know the Fantastic Four is still at large, or just watch the news. Yeah. <laughs> And that wraps us up, both for our discussion of issue 17 and also for this episode of Amazing Spider-Man Classics. want to thank everyone for their patience in waiting for this long-delayed episode. It was not due to a lack of effort, believe me. We have been trying to get episodes out for a while, and there were just so many scheduling conflicts, but the 
positive note is that in the last couple weeks we have recorded several episodes worth of material. So I'll be getting those out to you over the next few weeks. In the past we've tried to do three episodes a month and at this point we have basically missed a month. And I'm not going to try to catch that up with doubling up on episodes. So these next three episodes featuring our guest co-host Stephen Lacey will come out over the course of September. And then we have more goodness in October and surprise guest co-hosts galore. If you'd like to contact the show, let us know what you think of the episodes or of the books that you're reading. You can write us in at AmazingSpidermanClassics at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow news for the show, you can do so at the Facebook page for the show. Just do a search for Amazing Spider-Man Classics and join that group. Also, there is the Libsyn page, and I was reminded recently by a friend that I have never spelled Libsyn. i just taken it on faith that you all know what I'm talking about. A lot of podcasts are hosted at Libsyn.com, which is spelled L-I-B, like library, and S-Y-N, like syndication. Libsyn. And you can find our website at AmazingSpiderMan.Libsyn.com. Also at that website, I have been writing a blog covering the X-Men books from this same era. So if you'd like to follow along with the X-Men adventures in sync with the Spider-Man adventures, I'm just a little bit behind, but I am almost caught up to those being completely in sync. So do give a try there at the same website, AmazingSpiderMan.Libsyn.com. We will have coverage of issues 18 and 19 in the next episode, filling out the trilogy involving Spider-Man quitting his costume for the very first time. So please join us again, and thank you for listening to Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Good night. This issue has taken us the longest to discuss. Some issues take us a few hours. This one took us weeks. Right. <laughs> the, the record was seven yeah. hours. The last time we sat down and we're talking about page five and six was were 21 days ago. Exactly. John, did you have to make me stay awake for all of it? I'm seeing dead Spider-Mans crawling around on my ceiling. I'm surprised you have enough coffee, dude. <laughs> I think at this point, if I cut myself, I'd just be dripping rich roast blend. <laughs> The things we do for you people.